money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready to talk money. Well, that's good because it's Friday morning, and uh, in our world, as we're uh, recording uh, live here in Ottawa, but of course, if you're in the podcasting world, it could be Tuesday morning or Monday morning or Wednesday night, doesn't matter, but it's it's Friday morning in our world, and so this is the show where we talk about the hard issues around money, and so here we are. Reb's ready to talk about money, so here you go. Go ahead. Aren't you going to do your... <laughs> He always says where you can find it. Just go look at a podcasting platform and find it. Uh, I'm being uh, a, a or, little facetious this morning. I'm 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 in a good mood this morning. So not that I'm not often in a good mood, but a little a little bit. Jokey. I was already harassing you this morning. Yes. I was a bit feisty, and I said, "I don't know why I'm feisty." He says, "Radio morning. That's why you're feisty." Radio so, show morning. So. Anyway. So welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us. We certainly appreciate uh, you coming online wherever you're hearing us, whether you're hearing us locally here in the Ottawa area or whether you're listening on a podcast somewhere around the world. We're just so thankful that you join us every week. Uh, and uh, if you're looking for how to connect with us, of course, morethanenough.ca uh, is the place where you can find everything more than enough. Uh, if you're looking specifically to share the podcast or looking for resources, then you can find that on notmine.ca. And of course, we we love our friends at CHRI, and they're hosting the, the podcast as well on, on their, their um, website at chri.ca. So let's get on with the show. So it's the end of March. Yeah. I can't believe it's the end of March. It's gone... I, for you and I, it's gone really fast. I know maybe for others it hasn't. This is we've passed a year of lockdowns and global pandemic, so it's been an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we thought in the next, like today, in the next few weeks. So next week would be Good Friday, and um, I actually was kind of stumped. I usually am the one who plans the shows, and then when I get stumped, I come to David. So as we were hanging out at home and talking about it, um, which we can do because, you know, we own a business, we do a podcast together, and we live together, so we can just talk about these things anytime. Um, We started talking about freedom. We started talking about sacrifice. We talked about entitlement and how that affects our freedom. And then, you know, Dave said, well, what if we do a few shows and just talk about that theme around uh, how how sacrifice that our freedom comes at a cost Mm -hmm. and that can be spiritually, it can be financially, it can be. um, And also in the context of Lent. Right. So as as we are pre-Easter, if you celebrate uh, Lent, then you'll actually be right in the middle uh, of your of what does it mean to give up something or to sacrifice something right. that that's part of the tradition of lent before we get to easter where where of course we're we're all anticipating celebrating the the, the death and the resurrection of, of jesus christ so you know and that was really where when we were talking about it i thought th- th- there's a there seems to be uh, my observation but there seems to be this this 
principle that uh, before the freedom can come, before and, and in many areas of our life, before we experience freedom, something, somewhere, somehow, there's a sacrifice. So if again, if we put that in the context of um, of Easter, well, thankfully, it was the Lord who sacrificed uh, himself so that I could experience the freedom that we have through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I, I didn't necessarily have to sacrifice, but if we, we look at it in the context of, say, generational finances, um, you know, many of us are immigrants. Many of us immigrated to Canada in throughout our history, and we can see the sacrifice of our forefathers and, and our foremothers uh, and the sacrifices they made to come to Canada to establish this country as the great country that it is. And, and of course, we're experience a lot of that blessing and a lot of that freedom and a lot of that, that uh, um, prosperity. But that came because of the sacrifice of, of quite literally generations before us. So it was, it, it, this is really the conversation that, that we want to we, have, we have today with you is, you know, sitting down, grab your coffee and, and maybe just start thinking a little bit about the, the what, who, what, you know, if I look at my life today, what sacrifices maybe have I made to get there? Um, we often don't share that story of sacrifice. Often we look at somebody who's successful and we go, wow, they're incredibly successful, and then we don't really hear the story of the sacrifices that they made, or maybe, again, the, the generations before them made to, to experience that success. And that may be in finances, but that may be in, in other areas of the life as well. So I'm going to just um, read the one verse that I, there was a couple verses I was thinking of, but this one from First Peter 2, verse 16 says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. So, so, you know, the sacrifice that we were talking about are, um, there's another verse of phrase that I'm thinking of from scripture that says, um, you have been bought with a price. Mm -hmm. So our freedom has come at a cost spiritually, uh, Mm -hmm. by the Lord Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection. Um, but then there's um, there's a, the topic that we want to hone in on this morning in light of how are we to live freely? May You'll have to give us some time to <laughs> connect it. But um, we actually are going to talk about the million dollar question. And that's what we're calling the show today, the million dollar question. And you guys are like, oh, is this going to be a... a Oh, it actually is a million dollar question, question that we get asked What's, quite a was, quite a bit. Quite a yeah. bit. What was that show? The million dollar. What was that show where you had, could ask a friend? You know, you'd be on the hot seat and he had to answer the trivia questions. What was that million dollar show? Anyway, I, I want to say the millionaire next door, but I know no, that's not. No, I mean, it was the millionaire <laughs> the show. Anyway, I don't know. You guys are all going to be sending me emails now. I just remember said, the movie about well, that show well, called the Slum Dog Millionaire. millionaire. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, we're not talking about that in particular, but we got this great question um, brought to our office because of things that are happening in the market these days. So you so you have to bear with us as we get to the whole sacrifice and freedom topic, mm. along with the entitlement topic. But people are asking us, how can the younger generation buy that home? It's the million dollar question we're calling it because homes 
in our area in particular in 2021 with all the global pandemic, the prices have been rising. The market is really hot for purchasing. And um, I'm just going to, we're just going to address that issue. How can your children, if they want to buy a home, how are they going to be able to tackle this um, when the cost is so high and often their income doesn't match the cost of the house. So I just okay, want- and, and I just want to put a little caveat in there. If you're listening to this podcast and you're under 30, we're not talking about your children. We're talking about you. you. <laughs> right. So if you're, yes, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking of my you're generation. Thinking I'm, your I'm, parents, I'm yeah. thinking because I asked my son who is 22 and who's in school and, and working at the same time. Um, I said, do you have any money worries? Do you have any fears around money? And he, he messaged me back and said, nope. I just, um, I'm the only concern I have is that I won't be able to buy a house till I'm 40. So um, we just thought, okay, this is a great topic because if, if you're wanting to purchase that home or help your kids purchase that home, again, it's going to involve some sacrifice. Um, and we're, that's what we're talking about today. So I just want to ask you, Dave, can you give us uh, a little overview of what actually is happening? Maybe some people who are listening aren't quite aware. They're not interested in real estate, so they're unaware of what's going on. Yeah, just in, in a few lines in terms of the context of the question, in the Ottawa area, the, the market has been basically increasing, you know, any, depending on where you lead, anywhere by, by 15 to 20% year over year increases in, in the house pricing. And, and of course, uh, along with that, we've got a pandemic going on where um, your entry level, your, your mid to lower class incomes uh, have been severely uh, affected you know there's there's if you're in the the transportation industry if you're in the the hospitality industry if you're um you know if you're not in an executive position then likely you've seen a, a an interruption or maybe a a longer interruption in your income and going wait a minute i, I I was on the trajectory to buy a house. I see the market rising over the last number of years before COVID, wanting to get in as soon as possible. And then all of a sudden, really the, the rug gets pulled out from under and, and you go, so what do we do now? I, I can't afford that half million dollar house or that, that, you know, there's not much in terms of the housing market um, outside of the condos that are less than than 450 to, to 500,000. And so you're going, okay, well, that seems unattainable. That seems way out of reach, uh, uh, you know, for the income level that, that I'm that I'm making now, what do I do, right? And, and that's just quick context for, for this question is, you know, as I begin my career, as I begin my, my um, kind of building the ladder as it as it will uh, as you will then then how do I also uh, make buying a house one of those goals and and what needs to happen there and and I mean there's lots of ways to think about that uh, we've we've heard lots of uh, lots of chatter over the last 10 years about how the American dream uh, which is you know you go to school you graduate from high school you go to university you get a good job then you start saving for down payment in a house you find a spouse you buy a house and and <laughs> and, and that's that's kind of the the American dream and and of course we um, actually it's more than that it's a worldview it's it's sure. a way we have raised our kids to think that this is how it works 
And Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily evil in and of itself. But in this climate, um, I think I, I do think we have to take some of the verses that we use at, at more than enough in our Unleashed program to really to heart. Mm. Um, it's Romans 12. There's one and two, but verse two says, you know, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know, be able to test and approve what God's perfect um, pleasing will is. And that verse, yep. we we quote it, but what does nonconformity look like? I guess part of what we were talking about when we were talking about the show, like mm-hmm. in our kitchen or whatever, um, it's is a nonconformist kind of idea because now we have to think differently. We cannot just have our, our nice $5,000 down payment for a house um, in, in our area. Maybe there are places in Canada you could go that are really cold all year round and you could get a good deal, but do you want to move there? Anyway, that's another story. But actually, that's another way to it's, think outside totally the box. It's totally another way. Okay, yes. so it's... So, I guess one of the main points is we've got to think outside the box. Don't don't think um, in this worldview that this is just as what's going to happen. You're going to get married. You're going to, you know, my sisters never got married. And I raised our girls to, you know what, you need an education because you can't just think you're going to get married and have some guy provide for you. It may not happen. And I know for some, that is a little bit of a shifter. Well, what do you mean you're not going to get married? Or what do you mean you're not going to have a relationship with somebody? Well, sometimes it just doesn't happen the way we plan. Life doesn't, like we have this plan, like it says in James, you know, you make a plan, um, uh, you plan a year ahead, you're going to go do business here, you're going to do business there. We've talked about it on the show before. And God says to us, you know, warns us, don't think that way. Instead, we should be saying, if the Lord wills. So while you may have a desire in your heart to have that home in the city of Ottawa, maybe it's time to think outside the box, to sit down with some family and friends and say, how can we do this? And I'm going to give um, one. I'm going to interject here, though, because part of part of that, um that whole atmosphere it comes to we have so much information now right so when we when we read books when we read uh, information on the internet when we when we see how that goes the, there is an undercurrent of an assumption that well it's just going to happen right so you know again when if we look at it from the practically of, of buying a house to this question we're talking about today is well, I only really need four things. I need to be employed. I need a, some good credit. And I need a down payment. All right, I'm good to go. Um, yeah, but then you throw into the mix of, well, yeah, but the house is a half a million dollars. So your your income isn't enough. Your down payment isn't enough. So great. Now out of the three things that most lenders look at, you're you really qualified with one. So and, and this goes to, there's a bit of an assumption there that what, you're gonna ask me to sacrifice something, you're gonna, it's gonna take longer, even if it's time, you're gonna ask me to put my plan on a, on a five-year timeline instead of a one-year timeline, but that's not what I read on the internet. I read right. that we can just, hey, the rate is 1.35, let's go. Don't I pre-qualify? 60 seconds or less, right? So, you know, <laughs> those kind of things do do push into that. Well, wait a minute. You're telling me I have to wait a year? You're telling me that I have to wait two years? You're telling me that I need to make $50,000 more than I currently do to be able to afford the, the entry-level homes here in Ottawa? So those are, in a sense, paradigm shifters. And, and again, some of that 
information that we are pulling is um, it doesn't connect the dots. And we might read those stories of people who who did it, right? So we're reading, hey, I just bought my first home. And you're thinking, I know that guy, he's 26. How did he do it? Um, you know, and and so you're going, but I'm 26 or I'm 27 and and I haven't bought a house yet. And, I, you know, so so those are all so, things that are coming into play in this question. So yes, because it is the million dollar question. And some of the opportunities that maybe we had 30 years ago when we got married and were able to buy a home aren't the same because of the market that exists. And so we're, we want to give some practical um, ideas, but mm -hmm. we do want to say practically sit down and think outside the box. What sure. would it look like? Would it, um, I'm going to tell you, I have a young friend. She um, recently cut my hair very nicely, I would say. And um, she was telling me about how they got their home. They live near us in a small community. And, um, she said, well, actually with COVID, we didn't have the big wedding. So we literally had my parents there. That was last year. So we saved money on the wedding. And she said, I don't know if I'm going to have a big party now because she said we wanted to save money. So we lived with my parents for a year so we could save money for the down payment for a home. And they did they they were outside the big hot, hot market, but um I would just thought it was interesting. So there's they, the sacrifice. There is the sacrifice. So who wants to live with your your in-laws, your parents, <laughs> your first year of marriage or your first year of togetherness? But their goal was so strong. They knew that they wouldn't live there forever, hopefully, that they were going to save up the money, be able to move out. And and so, of course, when they moved and got the house, no, no furniture stores were open. Nothing was open. So she said, and she did what actually some of the generation of my parents' generation did. When they didn't have any money and they didn't have access to credit, they had lawn chairs because mm -hmm. they could afford lawn chairs. And their lawn chairs were their living room furniture. So, so, so she said, even though we had saved up the money for those things, we couldn't go buy them. So then our plan had to shift. Well, what can we put in our house? What can we borrow from our family? What, you know, so it's just a different way to think. So sometimes, and I don't know, I hang out with people who think outside the box. So this isn't, these aren't foreign ideas, but maybe for you, they are. Maybe you're, you're well, thinking, I have well, to, I have to smile though, because I remember the story my parents telling us about when they got married and they were in Holland. And um, you think the housing crisis is crazy here? <laughs> um, you know, this is 60 years ago uh, and they're in Holland. And, you know, that was the norm. If you wanted to get married as a young couple, you there was no expectation that you were going to get a house. There was a list as long as your arm. And, and so mm. the expectation, the norm was actually that young couples did live with the favorite in-law or outlaw or whoever um, had the know. space and it Except really wasn't a money issue in the sense that i'm sure that there was a costing issue but there just simply weren't enough houses for the population well, in holland I, at that time and your dad and mom's story is interesting because your dad um they they didn't want to live with any parents, mm -hmm. so they waited. So that pushed back their wedding. But I they, I they dated. I say in quotes for for five, five years, years, waiting for the opportunity <laughs> so they could find some housing so that they could get married. And and now they were they were also young, so it mm -hmm. didn't take five years to find the housing. But when they were actually starting to look, it did take a while. And then it came available at Christmas, so they 
got married February 3rd. Like they had a really fast wedding all of a sudden mm -hmm. because uh, anyway, that, so, so anyway, it's not. That's the norm. It so this the is norm. the, okay. So you make an interesting point because um, I was thinking of my grandfather while you were talking earlier, how they emigrated from Russia. Um, they sold everything they had to get to Canada because they were persecuted. They were mm -hmm. Russian Mennonites. They had to leave. Um, uh, the workers in my grandfather's factory had hid him a couple of times because they had come after my grandfather to kill him. And they hit him and the, finally the worker said, you know, we love you, but we can't keep doing this. We can't keep hiding you. So in the end, they immigrated um, and left all they had. And when they came, they didn't have much. And in those generations, in those, there are definite sacrifices we see, but have we lost that, have, in, in our finances, in what you see in coaching, um, and, and from the feel of what, what we are hearing, do you sense that that whole sacrifice um, is, is kind of kibosh, that idea that we have to sacrifice, that we'd have to wait, that we'd have to live with our parents for a year to save a down payment, um, that we just expect our parents to help us, let's say, or do we, um, which is nice, lots of us as parents want to help our kids. That's that's not a bad thing. I don't thing. think that's a generational thing. I think for, for eternity, parents have wanted helped. to help. As and long as there's been parents and kids, right, there's been that I want to help my kid. And we're going to talk about mm -hmm. legacy in a couple of weeks and what kind of legacy can we leave our children, even financially. But um, I guess I'm just wondering if that mm -hmm. issue of entitlement, because we see that quite a bit and we talk about it in our Unleashed workshops, how does entitlement affect our ability to sacrifice so that in the long run, we can save for that home. We will live with our parents, or maybe we're going to buy a home. Um, there's another family we know of, um, uh, an acquaintance of ours that lives with the generations. There's three generations in one house mm -hmm. because they decided they were together all the time anyway. We might as well save on costs and just live together. Now, some of us would be horrified living with our in-laws maybe, or I can't imagine. And yet imagine. when we look at it globally, that's a right. very, 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 very common situation that 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 there's multiple generations in any one living space, um, you know, and whether that's, um, you know, parents uh, as the children grow up, they again, if, even if we think about the the community here in Canada, um, the the, you know, the, the farmer started the farm, the, the, they had a number of kids, uh, one or two or, or sometimes a number of the kids would then stay on the farm to help run the farm as the other, other older generation gets older, they build another house on the property so that, you know, they can, again, that's, that's in a sense the norm within that farming community that there would be uh, an expectation of multi-generational living together because who else is going to run the family farm when dad gets old, right? Or when, when they're no longer well, we to don't, do that. I mean, we know that the generations now can have, statistically speaking, they don't, we don't commit to one, one profession and mm -hmm. stick with it mm -hmm. forever. Like there's a lot of flip-flopping. I mean, you didn't stick with being mm -hmm. a motor, you know, a tech, an automotive tech, but so let's go back. We have a few minutes and I want to give some practical things. So how does a young family save up? to buy a home in this kind of climate. I mean, one, we talked about, we have to think outside the box. Two, you have to do, could you live with family so you could save for that down payment? I, I think um, as a practical, um, just sitting down and going, are we making this a priority? Again, 
um, what what is it going to take to get me from where I am today to where I want to be, and how long will it take to get there? And and recognizing again that we're in a culture that that doesn't like to say, you know, you have to go slower or it's going to take longer than, than I anticipate. But, you know, and this could be as simple as, um, you know, meeting with a, with a financial professional to say, let's look at the overall picture. Let's talk about, oh, you want to buy a house? Okay, well, then you need to be saving $700 a month for the next three years to be able to build up your emergency cushion. Right, so that's a really practical thing. It's actually looking at the numbers, looking at your finances, looking at your income and saying, what will it take for me to, here's the kind of house, here's the kind of price, I need this kind of down payment, what will it take? And have someone say, this is what it's going to take for you beyond what you're already living on, you have to save this much for a down payment. You know, yeah, and really and then you make the decisions, you know, do I go get a second job? And how do I balance that out with, with time management in the sense that I'd love to see my wife periodically and not work 24 hours a day, <laughs> right? Like, you know, uh, that again goes to the timeline. If, if you're working and you're saying, you know what, I don't want to get a second job, that then it might take longer. Um, but and, then, it, then it might taking a willing family to put you in their basement for a year, yeah. which, which isn't ideal with young kids. If you have, if you're in your thirties and you have young kids, but I, but and the other, the other way, uh, again, just to, to kind of practically, there's looking at the income side of things and saying, is there a possibility that we can increase the income? Right. And then, you know, as well, you want to look at the expense side of things and say, what is there a way that we can we can change or reduce? And and I I believe that both of these take that creative outside of the box thinking to say, okay, there are ways um, that that we can can generate money. And and you know one of the ways in terms of the income side is when I look at kind of the global right now and say, listen, the the the, the largest hotel chain in the world doesn't own one hotel. It's called Airbnb, and and you go. Wait a minute, that's outside the box thinking. Here, here, you know, multi million dollar. Well, they were before COVID. I'm not sure where they are financially now. But this company thought outside the box and said, lots of people would share their space for short term overnight rentals. Let's start a company that does that. That's outside the box thinking, and that is one thing that I love about the generation that's coming up. That that's our children is. You guys have that creativity in spades, you know, whether it's using technology and, and, you know, all of that, but using your creativity to say, is is there a way that we can generate money? Is there a way that we can do that? And investigating that and, and going, okay. And then, of course, on the other side, you still need to be looking at the expense side and saying, is there a way that we can live cheaper, that we can, for a period of time, we're going to sacrifice some of the things that we love, some of the things that, that that we would normally do. Don't look at your parents because they're 20 or 30 years well, ahead of you and they have gone through that. And so you can't compare your standard of living with their standard of living. There's so much involved in this and we're coming to the end of the show. There's how we compare ourselves, the, the entitlement issues. Mm-hmm. There's the idea that, you know what, you may, it's okay if you don't ever buy a home. Like, mm-hmm. and in our world, you know, we're talking about investments and, but if you're one who doesn't want to buy a home, I'm going to say to you, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's okay. If you don't want to buy a home that, that is just not a part of your worldview or your plan. It's or yet, 
Or yeah, yet, uh, it yeah, might. Don't sh- close the door no, if you don't want to. And, but and, I just there's mm-hmm. just such an idea out there that we have to buy a home as part of that worldview, as part mm-hmm. of having kids and retiring and all that. That we have to have that anyway. But saying that at the end of the show, we're going to continue this conversation over mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks because they're such big topics, and we just want to encourage you. So, Lord, we are so grateful to mm-hmm. you. Um, that you provide us this forum to have these conversations. And again, we're just raising questions and uh, and we're raising questions with you because for David and I, this is a personal journey with you. Where do you want us to live? How do we do this? Do we have a house? Do we rent? What is your plan? And how can we then help our kids journey through this and figure it out in a time when the market is so crazy? So, Lord, we just thank you that we can say to you, if the Lord wills, we are going to buy a home or sell our home or rent a home. And it's if it's in your plan for us, we submit to that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And if the Lord wills, we'll talk money next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.